You're listening to episode 27 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Andy Ram. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Grand Slam champion and CEO of Pulse Play. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the show today. You're going to hear me speak with Grand Slam champion Andy Ram, who uh, won the mixed doubles titles at the Wimbledon Championships in 2006, uh, the French Open mix in 2007, and then he also won the men's doubles championship in 2008 at the Australian Open, uh, which is obviously a huge, huge accomplishment. And uh, Andy was kind enough to join me today on the show. And he is also an entrepreneur in that he is a the co-founder of Pulse Play, which is a uh, tennis wearable device as well as an app that you can check out in the uh, Android or Apple uh, app store. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk more about that device later on in the show. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited to bring you this very entertaining and informative interview with Andy. Um, it's always great to speak with somebody who's been in uh, such an uh, elite level of the sport um, so without further ado, here is my interview with Andy. Hey everybody, this is Mirabon and I'm here with Andy Ram, a multiple Grand Slam champion. Uh, just to uh, talk about Andy's uh, achievements for a bit, he won uh, the Wimbledon Mixed Doubles Championship in 2006, he won the French Open Mixed Doubles Championship in 2007, and then he won uh, the Australian Open Men's Doubles Championship with uh, Jonathan Yoni Ehrlich. So, uh Andy, I just want to welcome you to the show, and I really appreciate you coming on. Nah, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, it's really a great pleasure. Um, Andy, you know, reached number five in the world in doubles in 2008, and uh, he's he's created really a, a really cool uh, device uh, called Pulse Play, uh, which he's the CEO of that company, which is a wearable device. Um, but first, just want to get into uh, you know just your your career and background, Andy. So. Can you talk a bit about how you first uh, got started playing tennis? Well, I was born in Uruguay when I was five. Uh, I moved to Israel with my parents. My father used to be a soccer player. He played soccer and he got injured three surgeries in his in his knee. And he didn't want his son to be a soccer player, so people touched him. He wanted a net to separate between me and my opponents. And this is how I got to play tennis. And uh, so slowly, slowly... At age of five, five and a half, I started playing uh, because I have some problems speaking the language Hebrew. I came with Spanish, you know, and I think little kids in school were laughing at my accent. I had this, uh, you know, tough accent coming from South America and they were laughing. I think this is the reason I was very determined to be a good sportsman because when you're a good sportsman in school, people like you and the students like you and they want to be around you when you're a good soccer player or whatever, good athlete. They want to be friends of yours. And this is, I think, the reason why I become like good at sports because I wanted people and kids to like me. And slowly, slowly, I used 
to be one of the best uh, tennis players in Israel under my uh, age, 10, 12, and 14. When I was 14, I took the biggest decision in, of my life. I left home for Sports Institute, and that was the biggest decision because that was the day that I basically decided I want to be a professional. This is the change from an amateur practicing hour, hour and a half at the tennis center of Jerusalem to a chain where I practice six, seven hours a day in this sports institute. And that's where I met Jonathan Ehrlich. He's three years older than me. And we become friends. And slowly, slowly, after the juniors, we teamed up and start playing together and so on. Yeah. And so when you said that you left home at the age of 14, uh, does that mean that you left uh, kind of your family and just went on your own to train? Yeah, kind of. I, I, I used to live in, my family lived in Jerusalem and I, the institute was an hour and a half from Jerusalem driving. So it was, it was like all week I used to be in this institute for the weekend. They, I came home to my parents and they could come and visit me once a week. So it was basically a relationship with my parents over the phone mostly. And, you know, a kid 14 years old, which is very determined that I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I want to be a professional tennis player. At the age of 14, I was one of the best kids in the world. I was uh, uh, lost in the semifinal of the kind of world uh, championship uh, for kids in uh, France in Le Petitas uh, tournament. I lost to Juan Carlos Ferrero, which turned to be number one in the world after men's. And so since I was 14, I was one of the best juniors in the world. And yeah, I took it as a profession. I knew that's what I want to do. And I focused in tennis. So it, if, you know, it, it wasn't an easy decision to leave uh, to my, bro- my older brother and my younger sister, my parents. But it was a decision that I knew exactly what I wanted to do in life. And I knew what it takes to do it. And yeah, it, it meant that I, uh, I had to leave home. So that's what I did. Well, you certainly, uh, you know, did an amazing job and uh, accomplished so much in tennis. I'm curious about the infrastructure uh, with regards to tennis in Israel when you were a junior. Was it uh, pretty well supported? Well, juniors in Israel, Israel is, a, is an empire in the security. Most of the money of the government goes to security. Very, very little money goes into sports, soccer, basketball. We are not, a, you know, a sport empire like Spain, France, Australia, US or whatever. We, we, there is not many budgets you know going into the the tennis or sports so it's it's not that easy being an athlete in israel uh, regarding the support we receive from the government from the federations so if you are not top junior in your country in israel it's it's very tough you know so you need to be number one or two at your age to to get this support from the federation or from later on when we did well in doubles we got the support from the country, from the, you know, from the Olympic Committee and kind of, uh, you know, different kind of sponsors. But uh, when, you are, when you are a junior, it's not easy to get this support. And uh, you have to fight. You have to fight very hard to be one of the top juniors. Otherwise, we don't have the, the opportunity, the country or the federations, they don't have the enough money, budget to support a lot of tennis players or athletes like other countries. And so I think, yeah, this is a, a big issue in Israeli sports, in all sports, not only in tennis. So you need to be special, I guess, in Israel to be to become an athlete, you know, a top athlete. Yeah, I mean, I wish there was more support in here as well, but it's uh, in the U.S., but it's very interesting to, to hear of uh, how difficult it was back, uh, you know, back in Israel. Yeah. And uh, just 
Curious too, obviously you've had so much success and you talked about the motivation and why you had to be at the top, but what do you think was the key to your success in the juniors? In the juniors, I think I, I wasn't a big talent. I wasn't big or huge serve. You know, my serve was decent. The difference between me and other players, I think I was much more aggressive. I used to play serve and volley, which uh, when I grew up, not too many players already played the, the serve and volley. Feather, I grew up with Feather. I lost to him once in juniors. I lost to him in the juniors, uh, Wimbledon finals, uh, doubles juniors. I grew up with lots of top players, Fernando Gonzalez, Marat Safin is a good friend of mine. So all those top players, none of them, they were, uh, you know, seven volley players. And I used to be very aggressive all the time, looking for the net. My volleys were always good. I was always quick at the net. So I think that was something different when in juniors. That's what put me in the top of the junior ranking. And later on, when I decided uh, to focus only on doubles, I think those abilities of aggressiveness and attacking the net all the time and be close to that helped me a lot in doubles. And that's why I became one of the top players in the world eventually in doubles because of uh, those tools that I developed uh, as a junior. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And so you talk about, um, you know, how you eventually decided to specialize in doubles, but I mean, you were no slouch in singles. I see you had a career high of 187, which, I mean, is still indicative of an elite tennis player in singles. So uh, can you talk about when you decided to specialize in doubles and what your reason was for doing so? Um, so in, I, was always, I was good in juniors, singles. I was a singles player. I always played good in doubles in juniors, finals, US Open, finals, Wimbledon. But obviously, I wanted to be a singles player. Uh, I turned 18, f- finished with the junior, I left the juniors, and I had to do three years of the army in Israel, something that other players probably didn't have to do, Feather, whatever, you know, players, Safin or those guys, they didn't have to do the army. I had to serve for the Israeli, it's a obligatory, uh, it's a mandatory thing to do when you're 18 to 21. And I did it, you know, now the army helped me a lot, I mean, to to go and travel and play tennis. But still, when I was in Israel, I had to go and be at the office, do some paperwork or whatever, uh, you know, for six hours a day when I was in Israel. So it's not something usual or typical for, you know, for athletes when you're at the top to do. So these three years, I developed my game. I tried to work on my game, you know, together with the army. And I got to this rank in 180 in singles. And um, eventually I got injured in the beginning when I was 180 in the end of uh, 2001. Um, I started the season in 2002 um, and I got injured. I had to do two surgeries. I did a back surgery and a knee surgery. And I was out of tennis for one year. I didn't play for all 2002. Um, I couldn't play. And, you know, not too many people know that, but me and Yoni, Jonathan, we play. We started playing together in 2001 and we did good results. We won challengers. We, we qualified for Wimbledon once. We did very well in 2001. And uh, we got into the top 80 that year. And then I got injured. I got injured at the beginning of 2002. I didn't play for one year. And when I came back in 2003, I I did the surgeries, the back surgery and the knee surgery. I was three months on crutches. I did it because I was sure I'm going to be a singles player. I wanted to be back at the top of singles. I believed in my singles ability. And I started playing slowly, slowly tournaments, futures, and trying to build my ranking from zero again and again. Until I got to this semi, uh, uh, qualies of Wimbledon in singles, I lost in the qualifying, and I was 600 probably in singles. I texted Yoni after losing the singles, 
at Wimbledon, qualies and ask him, Yoni, would you like to come and play doubles with me? Qualies Wimbledon. And Yoni was also in this situation. He couldn't find anybody in 2002. He got lost 2003, wanted to retire. He took his last loan from the bank, $5,000. He flew to, the, to England for some tournaments. He lost in Nottingham, which is the same time of Wimbledon qualies. He lost hack players that he retired from tennis. The same second he retired from tennis, I texted him, Yoni, would you like to come play Wimbledon doubles? And he said, Andy, I don't have money for the train. And I told him, come on, Yoni, I, I will pay the train for you. Come on, no, Andy, I'm not there. My head is not there. I retired. And I told him, Yoni, come on, please. And, you know, eventually I convinced him. He came to Wimbledon, started the qualies. We qualified for Wimbledon, winning the first round, second round. We got into the semifinals eventually, lost to the number one seed at the time. Woodbridge and Bjorkman. We had an unbelievable run. The same year, I played first time in my life, uh, mixed doubles. I got into the final of Wimbledon, losing to Navratilova that year, which was amazing. 50,000 people, packed stadium. So, you know, suddenly I coming back to Israel. Nobody knew us. That was the biggest uh, achievement of, uh, in the history of Israel tennis uh, at Wimbledon. People start writing about us. People know us in the street. Everybody come to watch us. The president calling us to his house. Suddenly we play Davis Cup in front of 5,000 people, which normally 500 people used to come and watch us. 5,000 people, they all come. Stadium was packed. They all come, scream for us. And that was the day, basically, um, that I took my second big decision. If the, one, the first one was leaving home, the second decision was to focus in doubles. We decided to focus in something that we knew we are good at. We knew we could play well like we played in 2001. We knew we had the tools to be one of the top teams in the world and maybe uh, achieve and be number one in the world at the end, which for six months in 2008, we did achieve. So uh, I think we took uh, the, the right decision at the end. And uh, I put the singles on the side a little bit, probably because of this injury and uh, the success we had in Wimbledon 2003. And focus only in doubles in the last, uh, yeah, 12 years. That's what we did. I think that's really amazing, Andy, that you basically, it sounds like you saved uh, Jonathan's career. Um, so <laughs> he, he saved mine and I saved his. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it went both ways. Yeah, that's amazing. And so how did uh, Yoni uh, complement your game? Like what made you guys such a great team? I think uh, after the volley serve, you know, this uh, great uh, chemistry that uh, we both, you know, the team up on the court, it's, the energy, I think it's uh, the compliment. We really appreciate each other. You know, we always support each other. We're very positive in our game about each other. Uh, never negative. I never go down on him. He never goes down on me, you know, even when you miss a big point, smash, double four. We never always positive about each other. And I think this is a, we respect a lot each other. We are friends before the tennis. We are friends after the tennis, after I retired. So I think uh, this special relationship and uh, this positive relationship, I think that's what, uh, this is the key of our success. Because again, our tools, we don't have something special that different players don't have. But I think what made us uh, unique and being the masters for many years, be top 10 players for many good years, I think this was the, our chemistry, our positiveness, our you know good support of each other, especially in tough moments. And uh, this is something that not too many teams playing for so long. I think that except me and Yoni, only the Bryans, which are twin brothers, obviously, they are the only team that play more than me and Yoni together. We played for many, many years. 
and uh, yeah, it was it was something special. It was a, it was a special uh, special teammate. Yeah, it was just truly amazing and uh, just so great to watch you and uh, Yoni. Like after you won the Wimbledon, like you gave him like a piggyback ride, I think, or vice versa. Yeah, <laughs> the Australian, the Australian. Uh, sorry, Australian. My bad. Yeah. Uh, I jumped on him. I, I lost my mind. I mean, winning a Grand Slam with Yoni. That was you know, I won 2006 Wimbledon seven French Open. But with with Yoni to win a Grand Slam together, Israeli, you know, white, yeah. blue and white Grand Slam. That was like. A dream come to really with Yoni to do it. Uh, I jumped on him. I, I didn't know what to do. You know, it was a special, special moment. Uh, definitely one of our biggest moments of our career. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and Andy. So you know, it's it's really admirable that you uh, you know right after you retired, you you went back into kind of uh, the mode of helping tennis players, and so you've created. Uh, a wearable device called Pulse Plane. Can you talk about that device and what you know what it does for tennis players? Yeah. So when I retired uh, almost two years ago, I was got many offers to be a coach, to help kids, to do a lot of things. Tennis, not tennis, business world. Until I, this friend of mine now, uh, a genius in you know, London, came and approached me with an idea. He came up with squash, a scorekeeping for squash. He saw two friends fighting over the score. And he said, why don't we make a button helping them remember the score? And I told him, listen, I don't understand squash, but I know it's a big problem in tennis that kids are lying and they forget the score. And even adults are focusing too much on their game and they're forgetting the score. And I like the idea. And why don't we make it a watch that you can see the score during the time that you play? And so on like this, I developed this uh, device, this wearable, this smartwatch, and we took it as a, as a scorekeeping. But more than the scorekeeping, we made an app. It's synced to an app, obviously. But the app is the big issue. I created a world ranking system, kind of a world ranking system for recreational players, amateur players, um, that no matter where they are around the world, they will always find somebody to play at their level, which is very important because most of the people don't like to play with better players or worse players than them at their level. They always like to play with people at their level. And uh, so we created, uh, together obviously with a huge professor here from in the uh, Technion, uh, one of the finest universities of Israel, uh, the dean of mathematics, he built a nice algorithm for us. And uh, so, yeah, this is what we do. It's a, it's a scorekeeping together with a ranking system. You can create your own leagues with, between your friends. You're going to have your ranking within the club you play with uh, in or in your country and in the world. So no matter where you are, if you go on vacation, club med, wherever you go, you can find players at your level to play with. Plus you're going to have the, you know, technology in the recreational level, you know, um, amateur world. It's uh, it's something that is very, it's, it's a need. It's a big need. It's something that it, there's not too many uh, technologies in this world in professional world there is a lot of technologies if you see the okay and all kind of technologies they make into the players it's amazing but there are only 2,000 professionals and uh, 400 million uh, amateurs or recreational uh, players so this is something for the big crowd and um, I'm very excited about it obviously uh, the smartwatch is beautiful it's my kind of baby my new baby you know and uh, I find it very interesting, very nice to play with. I'm playing ping pong with it. So, um, you know, I, I beat all my friends in my office. So I'm very happy about it. You know, I can always see my number one, number one, number one. 
Right, you have the proof. <laughs> I, I, I didn't make it in, in doubles. You know, I finished number five, at, the, at least in ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but um, no, it, it, this is something big. Uh, there are a lot of uh, players now that bought it now on our... We, we, I made an a Indiegogo campaign, a crowdfunding campaign, which uh, worked very well last year and people bought it. We, we passed our uh, limit. Uh, our goal and uh, all the bakers receive their watches already they're playing with it they're happy we get feedbacks and now we are basically in the stage to go to the market you know to uh, go and produce many more watches and sell it and uh, um, yeah make it happen you know a startup is uh, in a way kind of a exactly like being a tennis player Uh, there are so many startups starting the year like many tennis players starting their career and only very few of them, like 1% of them are really successful at the end. And they struggle. A tennis player at the beginning struggle with money and budget, you know, and trying to get sponsored. Like a startup is running after the money all the time and raise invest and find investors to invest. And it's very tough. But when you have the results, like a tennis player, like when I had the results, so suddenly all the sponsors came up to me. Startup the same. When you bring the results, everybody want to be part of the success so it's kind of the same you know you have up and down good days bad days so i find it very similar to my world to the tennis world i have lots of help from the people working with me i have a great team this is something that i did well in tennis i always knew how to pick up the good partners you know <laughs> next to me if it's the coaches the trainers physio psychologists my partner yoni so this is something that i do in the business world, I have a great team of people that working together, good energy. So, yeah, it's going well. Very exciting. And uh, new goals after the tennis, you know, won a few Grand Slams. My new Grand Slam will be, you know, to to see a lot of uh, users playing with uh, Pulse Play. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Yeah, I mean, you're making a huge impact on the tennis world. I'm sure very soon a ton of people will be using it. So, Andy, so what in your eyes makes Pulse Play different from some of the other tennis wearables or devices currently in the market? Well, I think the connectivity to the the wearable, the Pulse Play, is a scorekeeping. A simple scorekeeping shows you the time, it shows you the score. But most of the work is on the app. And uh, I think this is a difference that uh, at the end of the day, I'm creating a, a social network for uh, recreational players. And uh, this is something that other wearables are not doing. They're just scorekeeping, you know. And uh, the, the nice thing that I'm bringing, now I'm trying to change it a little bit actually, but it's one of the things that I started the startup was that both players the devices that uh, they are out today in the market, uh, only one player need to wear this uh, wearable in order to play a match. And if I play against you, for example, so we need only one watch. I'm gonna have the wa- I'm gonna have the watch when I win a point. I press the button, the down button, 
when you win the point, I'm going to press the up button. And this is how we know. But what happened if you ask me what's the score? And I say 40-30 and you say, no, it's 30-40. You say, no, but I control the score, you know? So what I did was both players need a, a wearable when they play. Whoever wins the point, pressing the button. And, you know, this is how I... I cut the cheating kind of, you know, this is a, I've been asked this question a lot in Israel, especially, you know, like that's why I put up a, I'm calling it the Israeli button. So if somebody mm-hmm. pressed twice, you have the undo button on the watch that you can take a point down. So <laughs> we're calling it the Israeli button because this is a question I've been asking Israel a lot, you know, what happened if somebody cheat and, and press it twice? So, so this is a, very, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very innovative, very you know, thoughtful. So, but uh, but like I said, you know, the, this this system that I'm building, that according to the games you win and the sets that you win, to find players at your level, in the future you will be able to predict what's going to be your score if you play against your friend. The machine, you know, will tell you if you're going to win or lose and what the score is going to be. So this is something that uh, I think it's very innovative and uh, that others wearables don't have. At the moment, and uh, yeah, this is our advantage. I think that uh, the the smartwatch thing to an app, and uh, you get all your profile. Like I used to have as a professional, I used to have my my tennis profile on the ATP website. So you're gonna have your tennis profile. You're gonna see who you played, what was, how long was the match, what was the score, kind of statistics in specific matches that you played. How many points you won on your serve? How many points you won on when you return? And all kind of statistics that uh, I think different companies don't don't give you. And yeah, so this is uh, like I said, exciting, and we keep developing every day a little bit more. Uh, we added now. We we real. I realized that people, not all of them, can serve and play with serve. So we put like uh, up to 11 points, up to 21. Some people start from you know from down the point and so we're always trying to think and develop and hear the crowd what they like to add and uh, working very nice at the moment yeah i think that's really important that you keep listening to the audience and trying to add you know all these awesome features and um and the watch looks beautiful as well what is it made out of what is it made out of yeah, like is it just like a special like a uh, plastic type thing? It's it's a, it's a kind of a special. It's a sweat resistant. Obviously, when you sweat, so it has to be sweat resistant. Um, it, it's very light. The the wearable it's only twenty two grams. Okay. I, I I never played with a wearable when I, on the, on the tour. There are some players that are playing Nadal, uh, Vavrinka. There are some professionals that play with their watches. Yeah, I can't uh, do that. <laughs> but I, I don't like it. And when I play with Palfrey, I don't feel it on my hand. It's like twenty two grams. Uh, other players that I, I gave them to play with, they don't feel it on their hand. So once you start playing, you forget that uh, it's on your hand. So this is uh, something that I, I focus a lot on because I'm coming from um, this professional world that, you know, every inch or every milligram, help, you know, disturb me. So that was something that I, I put focus a lot, uh, that the smartwatch is going to be very light, very comfortable. And... Uh, yeah, and well designed. You know, we we created a lot of thinking. Uh, we put a, in a lot of effort in the design and thought about every little uh, detail uh, to make it uh, comfortable. And and obviously, at the end of the day, I wish it's gonna be a symbol status. You know, so that people that are gonna wear this uh, a pulse play watch, um, you will know he's a tennis player. 
you will want to ask him you want to play a match what's your ranking what's your username and you know at the end of the day that's what the pulse play is going to be yeah i think that's beautiful andy and uh you know i just think that it's so amazing that you've uh created this device and i think your vision can definitely be realized you know you're hard worker and uh, it, it's also great that this has been created by a, te- a great tennis player you know instead of like just uh, maybe a company that doesn't quite know you know the ins and outs of tennis you I mean you play the game all your life so you know all about it um, Andy why should our audience consider buying a pulse play watch well because it's a nice experience it's something new electronics into it, it brings technology into the game it's uh, we are in 2016 uh, people these days, when they win a match or they want to remember who they play, they still write on a, a pen and paper, you know, they still uh, use pen and paper. I think in 2016, uh, we need to develop and go and work with our uh, smart uh, phones much more. And I don't know, I think it's a nice experience. Uh, I like it. I think uh, players that playing with it, they loving it. Uh, they keep playing with it. Um, and... Um, the experience playing with it because my watch you can download uh, my app on their apple watch on samsung wearables so i mean you can play with different devices you don't have to play with my uh, pulse play the experience playing with pulse play is much better much nicer so um yeah at the moment people that uh, bought it and play with it uh, they don't have any regrets yet and uh it's a nice experience. Yeah, yeah, it's, I've seen it on it's, Android it's fun. as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's awesome, Andy, and you know, appreciate it so much. I just want to ask you one final question, which is, sure. what, thank you so much. What is one tip that you would give our audience to help them improve their tennis games? Their tennis game. Wow, one tip, one tip. First of all, hit the center of the racket, you know, the <laughs> strings. This is the first tip. Then the second tip is. Uh, Put the ball over the net into the court. This is the second, a very important tip, you know. There's two things like, uh, but a good tip is, first of all, to enjoy what you're doing, obviously. Uh, when somebody's doing it, uh, enjoying it, so he's doing it mostly good for the professional players. I recommend them to, you know, to practice hard and continue doing it day after day, day in, day out. That's what I recommend all the kids that I'm working with them especially mentally not the, or every day on the court but you know to to work hard one two days one week it's not enough you have to be consistent and do it day in day out month year and so on to be successful and um, but uh, one good tip um, just to be positive really to look on life in a positive way it doesn't matter if tennis uh, work whatever we do in life just to be positive, when we're positive, we're doing it in a much better way. And I know it uh, in anything I did in, in life, uh, and that's what I do. And uh, yeah, always look on the half uh, full glass of the, you know. Um, and people that don't know how to look on the uh, half, uh, how do you say it, half full? Uh, oh yeah, half full, yep. Uh, people that don't know how to look on the half full uh, glass. I recommend them to transfer the water to a little glass, you know, so it's going to look like it's a full glass. Uh-huh. Uh, so nice. this is my, my tip. So, yeah, Beautiful. be positive. Andy, thanks so much. Where can we find you and Pulse Play on social media? On social media, pulse-play.com. This is our website. Uh-huh. And from there on Instagram, uh, Facebook, on Pulse Play, and uh, 
yeah so we are we are everywhere we can you can find us anywhere twitter pulse play so yeah perfect pulse, Andy, uh, yeah. Oh, i'm sorry pa- you, you're saying something no else? no no just pulse-play.com so, fantastic yeah. Um, Andy Ram, uh, multiple Grand Slam champion, uh, very passionate tennis player and entrepreneur, doing huge things for the game. Uh, Andy, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you no. on the Tennis Th- Files podcast, and we'll uh, hopefully talk to you again sometime. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks thank a lot. Talk soon. Bye bye. Take care, Andy. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Grand Slam champion Andy Ram. And I just want to give a shout out to Natalie from Pulse Play. Uh, she's been really awesome to uh, work with, and she's the one who helped make this interview with Andy possible. And she also gave us an exclusive uh, discount code in addition to the uh, the link that I mentioned. So if you go to tennisfiles.com slash Pulse Play, that's P-U-L-S-E-P-L-A-Y, and... If you enter the code TENNISFILES, T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S, then you will receive a 15% discount on the PulsePlay smartwatch. And um, if you'd like to just check out the app as well, you can go to the uh, Android or Apple store, uh, the app stores, of course, and download it and give it a try. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed my interview with Andy. And uh, also one cool thing I wanted to note is that um, I've collaborated a bit with Pulseplay. So if you were to go to their website, you'd, and uh, you'd actually notice a little pop-up and it mentions my ebook. So I've uh, done a little collaboration with Pulseplay. And that's uh, you know similar to the ebook that you'll find on my website, which you can uh, download at tennisfiles.com slash ebook. So I encourage you to download from either or both sites, of course. Uh, but anyways, uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening. And I hope you all continue to improve your game and try to take you know your tennis game and life to the next level. So uh, best of luck with that. And if you have any questions, as always, uh, you know, please reach out and uh, email me at mirabonatennisfiles.com. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N. All right, guys. Have a great one, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit tennisfiles.com.